welcome to Mac Gamecast episode 11, a podcast where we talk about Mac games and related and adjacent things. I'm John Carr as always, and with me today is Casper. How are you doing? Hello, Internet. Uh, aside from uh, just having had some slight technical issues, I'm doing uh, I'm doing okay. Woohoo! Yeah, uh, the rest of the crew is busy this week with various things, um, and of course, the podcast is a little late as well, Saturday instead of like a Thursday or Friday. Um, but we have some fun stuff to talk about, Casper and I. A couple new game That's mentions. Um, nothing like in like world breaking or anything. Um, though one of them is really near and dear to me uh there's probably the bulk of our discussion will be around um some epic and apple things and uh, some steam silicon support stuff and finally uh as a follow-up to the metro exodus review we did a few episodes ago uh i've actually finished the game now and have some additional comments but we'll get to that um so might as well hop into the the, the news discussion first do the game stuff after um okay what's more of just an announcement rather than anything solid yet is that steam now has uh m1 support possible in those libraries the dll or the libs or whatever they are um so developers can put native silicon versions of games on steam where they previously couldn't we've mentioned that in the last few episodes people were people (laughs) developers were only able to do that to do that on the App Store, the Mac App Store. So now they can mm-hmm. do it on Steam. Yeah, it should be noted it's not a full Steam client ARM uh, version yet. It's just the dynamically linkable libraries, the Dilips that right. um, now supports the ARM architecture. But that's enough for developers to be able to make native applications run through Steam, even though the Steam client is not yet Apple Silicon. Right, that's still running in Rosetta 2. So that's a step in the right direction. Presumably, mm-hmm. one day, Valve and all their meandering will put out a ARM, ARM version, or maybe they won't. Who knows? They're Valve. They're, They're going to have to eventually. They will, because Rosetta 2 eventually, you know, five years or whatever from now, will not have support. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, you know, Valve time, quote-unquote, TM, is like a famous, <laughs> famous thing. Yeah. So um, who knows what they're doing. As, as long as Apple doesn't make Rosetta 3, they'll probably support it. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, yeah. That'll be like when everything's virtual reality only or something. You've got to, like, translate yes. your non-VR game to VR. It's like some weird Rosetta 3 thing. Yeah. Um, so that's just more good news for Silicon, basically. I don't think anyone's done anything with it yet, but that news was literally, I believe, this week, like five days ago or something. I, I think there's been like three games or something uh, that have pushed out updates for it, but oh, they have. it's okay. it's small titles and it's a, not a lot of titles yet. But it's um, it's showing that it's possible now, so more will probably come pretty shortly. Yeah, that's the main thing. Uh, I do recall, now that you mention it, uh, I think Mr. Macright, I was talking to him. He did mention three or four games, though I can't recall the names. Something smaller. He, he's so. my source for saying it. <laughs> ah, <laughs> there we go. Hey, Mr. Macright. Um, speaking of Mr. Macright, um, where did I get up? Re- I was going to reference him for something. What was it? I thought of it earlier today. Hmm. Sorry, I don't know what it is. But Mr. Macright's awesome. Go subscribe to him on YouTube. Um, or join his Discord. Um, <laughs> so that's the M1 stuff. Uh, now we're going to talk about some epic stuff. Uh, 
both literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> to get the smaller part of that out of the way, um, Epic has this um, oh, service called uh, Epic Online Services. It's an SDK, a software developer kit or system developer kit, whatever it is. Um, and it now it's a suite of services that provides things like um, some sort of multiplayer support, voice chat in your game. Um, what else? Now they've added anti-cheat with Mac and Linux support. Previously, that was PC only. Um, so that's the main news is it add the anti-cheat. The only thing is, so this sounds like really cool news, but I'm not actually aware of what games um use the epic online services on mac other than maybe fortnite um right so i i can't point to any specific games but what i can say is that the unreal engine is fairly prolifically used and that's made by epic so it is it is i think yeah. there might be some um what do you call it like integration there that games using the unreal engine might be more inclined to use Epic Online Services or whatever it was called. Um, so in that respect, it might be making it easier to support Unreal Engine games more so on Mac and Linux with this yeah. change, right? Yeah, because anti-cheat's a big deal um, for a lot of mainly publishers, but also developers, because, you know, you want to keep cheaters out of your games. I mean, single-player games don't need anti-cheat, but... A lot of the most popular titers are our multiplayer, whether that's on iOS, which also has Epic Online service support, um, or on Mac or PC, whatever, anywhere. Multiplayer is super popular. Single player is too, mm -hmm. but a lot of the like cash cows are multiplayer games, for example. So having anti-cheat is really necessary. Um, so it's just basically more good news, more potential support um, for Mac games, especially either on Epic I don't know whether it's on Epic Game Store or just using the Unreal Engine in general. As you said, it's very prolific. I don't know the stats, yeah. but it's a huge amount of the industry uses the Unreal Engine on Mac, also on iOS, iPad, whatever. Um, really mm -hmm. popular engine. What I'm another yeah. super oh sorry no go ahead <laughs> yeah another super cool part to it is also that um, through conversations with Valve because of the Steam Deck, uh, it'll more or less support or more does it'll um have some official support for proton uh, right, the yeah. anti-cheat thing so it's not just that it'll now run natively on linux and mac os it's that it'll also officially have some support for translation layers like proton wine and crossover right um, yeah. officially i think it's just proton but there's a lot of code sharing between proton crossover wine all that um, so that could make it a lot easier to do, um, you know, that kind of uh, non-native but still within macOS uh, gaming. Right. Yeah. So that that's potentially pretty cool. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone listening might just be like, "Well, there's no real news here. Like, here's a game using it, or here's some port announced." But it's basically this is like foundation, like groundwork stuff. Um, mm -hmm. which should make it more attractive to developers either now or in the future to use these kind of services to bring the games to Mac or or adjacent, like the non-native but still on Mac, not going over to boot camp or whatever um, kind of stuff. So that's why it's interesting, and that's why we're bothering mentioning it in the news because it's just it's more good news for Mac. We'll see what who does anything with it. Um, 
into segue into the more um drama stuff in terms of epic of course there's this lawsuit going on or i guess now concluded with apple um we'll get into that but uh i'm pretty sure i mean i can't imagine fortnite doesn't use the epic online service thing because it's made by epic it's on the epic store (laughs) um i they're not going to use like someone else's services in their game um i haven't played fortnite in years honestly i can't even remember if there's voice chat in the game like there probably is like party chat or something but i haven't played it in so long i don't remember and i didn't i liked the shooting of the game but i didn't like the building not i thought it was really unique and a night uh like a standout mechanic for that kind mm-hmm. of game. But A, I'm not very fond of Battle Royales to begin with. And B, I really don't like building in games like that. Any sort of... I like building from like a real-time strategy perspective. Like building a base and directing... Or worker... Like directing workers. But like sitting there building it in first or third person isn't interesting to me. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. I don't like that kind of thing. So a buddy of mine was really into it. Kept trying to get me to play. So I'd hop on and play with him. But I just, you know, you have to be good at building in that game or you won't win basically so i never got into it um but of course due to this court case which was started by epic i think even was it last year at this point it was a while ago Um, i think it's almost more than a year ago now but yeah it's some time ago yeah so the the short story is to anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about um epic broke their contract in the mac or the app store ios the app store not the mac app store um, by allowing, um, basically bypassing Apple's payment system for the microtransactions in Fortnite, you know, buying season passes and cosmetics and stuff like that. So they would get all the money themselves. Um, this isn't allowed under Apple's TOS terms of service, blah, blah, blah. So they were found a violation. Fortnite was suspended from the app store. Um, at this point, I believe, uh, it, it still is suspended or at this point actually entirely removed. Because due to this whole court case, Apple uh, Apple Epic's account has been suspended and now, I believe, like permanently banned. We'll loop back around to that. Um, I'm a little unclear on the Mac side if new players can download Fortnite. I know existing iOS or Mac players can access the game, um, but it's not updated. Epic out of spite like disallowed updates <laughs> so i don't you know i don't even know if you could play multiplayer because you'd have a version mismatch mismatch i imagine but there's also maybe like, something like the old civilization mac ports where you can play with other ver- right. people on the same version i don't know right i also haven't checked but it could be something like that could be something like that there's also some custom game modes in there you can go into like a builder sandbox mode and just play around mm-hmm. so stuff like that could still be accessible but Neither of us are like in the Fortnite community or in that games, whatever, in into that game. So it's hard to say definitively. There's some shenanigans going on. New players, I think, can't access it at all. I'm for sure. I know that's for sure on iOS. A little unclear on Mac. If you want to go to Epic, you know, Epic Game Store and try. I just looked and it'll still let me install the game, but I already have it in my library. So that's not a clear answer. Um, but the, yeah. but the, so the case, so the first they broke their contract and then they ran this weird, clearly pre-planned ad campaign like mocking apple and all this stuff within the game using that uh, i think 1980 commercial like the lady in the sledgehammer breaking the screen or whatever um so they did some parody of that but made fun of apple instead like the person was like breaking apple with the hammer i kind of forget what it was but it happened so quickly it wasn't like 
something organic. They had it all pre-planned because it came out within like a day or something. So oh, yeah. Epic's messaging was uh, <laughs> right on there from from the get go. They had yeah. everything. Uh, that whole campaign, Twitter messaging, everything was like set up and ready to go. Yeah, super set up. So you know, from a certain point of view, Epic has a point. Basically, they want um, more competition in Apple's ecosystem. As we know, Apple is a closed ecosystem, walled garden versus Android and so on, which is very open. Um, the thrust, I, I, yeah. I think, I think I don't like to say that Apple is that. I'd like to say mm-hmm. that iOS is that, but right. I, I don't, I don't want to include the Mac in that because I feel like a lot of people have this misconception that the entirety of the Apple ecosystem is a walled garden, so to speak. Mm. And I've never seen the Mac as that, and I don't want right. you know that that to be the common conception of Apple as a whole. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people who go like, oh, you can't do X on a Mac, and you can do anything on a Mac. You can. <laughs> You're right. That's an excellent clarification. I'm glad you added that. Um, iOS specifically is a walled garden, I guess, unless you jailbreak it, but I wouldn't mess with that personally. Um, right, right. But by default, supported in any yeah, capacity. on a Mac, you can install whatever, do whatever. Um, you can, you know, not, Apple not even default. has like official... Um, guides for turning off system integrity protection if you don't want any restrictions and all that. So. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, they easily let you install other operating systems, partition drives, mess around in terminal, yeah. command line, and all that fun stuff. Um, so very open there. But it's, So Epic was the main... It all boils down to money in the end. Apple takes a 30% cut, which is a lot, but so does Steam. Um, Epic themselves, to give more context for this sort of whole drama, is they when they launched the Epic Game Store, their main um, selling point was they only take a 12% cut um, of the sales, which is an 18% reduction. That's quite a bit. And they were they've been poking Apple and Valve this whole time, like, hey, you know, like you can take less and make it more attractive for developers. That's a good thing. I mean. Um, Developers getting more money, I, who's going to complain about that? Nobody. Um, I think Epic's tactics have been a little um, rough or aggressive. And, of course, breaking contracts is probably a t- like a really bad idea because um, you can get penalized, like, legally. Like, va- you can you can be penalized validly because you're the one who, you know, broke the rules. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, they've been pouring in millions and billions or whatever into the Epic Game Store, giving away games and this and that. Um so I think Epic's worth something like 30 or $40 billion, which is a lot. Now, compared to Apple, of course, they're small-time. Apple's the richest company in the world. A lot of people are small-time compared to them. But so Epic, or Tim Sweeney specifically, tried to frame it as this, like, David versus Goliath thing. But it's like, dude, you're still, like, a 30 or 40 whatever <laughs> billion dollar company. I mean, okay, and c- relatively speaking to Apple, you're small-time. But compared to a lot of other people, you're 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 the... You're the giant, you know, you're the evil megacorp or whatever you want to frame it as. So that was like, you know, pretty, no one was really buying it, frankly, um, in terms of his presentation. Like people watching, people involved, it was all like, this could probably be better done. Anyway, they went to court um, on two main things. Apple or Epic was, I don't know if suing was the word, but whatever they did, they brought a court case against Apple with two main tenants to it. I don't know all the like exact legal jargon. Um, and the main one 
One of the main ones was they wanted to be allowed any developer, not just them. They weren't doing it just for themselves. They're trying to do it for everyone. So they're also trying to be like Robin Hood or something, you know, um, framing themselves as like the saviors of all, you know, under the oppression of Apple's 30% <laughs> regime or whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, that there would be, uh, anyone could use their own payment processors within a game to sell microtransactions, um, uh, rather than being routed through Apple. So it, Apple wouldn't get a cut. They wanted to be allowed that. And they also, and the other even bigger one was they wanted, um, iOS apps to be able to exist in places other than the app store, basically meaning anyone could create their own app store or their own platform store or place, whatever you want to call it, where you could go and download their stuff. Again, also that would cut out Apple out of all of this. Um, those are the two main arguments. I don't think there were any others. Um, and so the court case has been going on for a while, blah, blah, blah. There's been drama and Twitter, you know, sniping and whatever going on. Lots of PR out of Epic about this and Tim Sweeney on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. You alluded to that. Um, but the conclusion earlier this week was, um, for the most part, Epic failed. They failed at those two things, but they got a concession um, in that the court did rule Apple was found in violation of some kind of monopoly or anti-competitive laws in California, something like this. Um, so now within 90 days, although now it's probably like 70 or 80 days, 80 days or something since that came out, the ruling, they have to change their policy and that will allow developers like Epic to include a link in their games to a third-party payment system, but not in the game mm -hmm. itself. All right. So that includes some caveats from like a developer perspective in that you can have a link, you can open it in a web browser inside your app, like a little web view with using the Safari banner and everything inside the app. You don't have to leave the app. Right. You can log in and pay for something through a third-party provider through that system. Um, but they don't have to make it possible to have like nice in-app purchase like systems like if you just click something and it shows hey face id and you're done mm, like if right, you use right. the apple system right so there's still somewhat of a greater uh inconvenience i guess to users of that system versus just using apple system but mm. on the flip side if it's a if it's an inconvenience that might mean that 0.1 percent of users don't buy something and you get to keep 100% instead of 70%, right. then maybe that's worth it, right? Uh, from a developer perspective. Right, for sure. Um, so right. that's sort of like the, the balance that now has to right. be. Right. Uh, um, the other thing I forgot to mention about this is when Epic broke, violated their, their contract with the App Store last year when they did this, because they didn't like ask to do this in a court case, they just did it flat out. And just mm -hmm. then Apple reacted and suspended Fortnite. And then this court case happened from Epic's side, Brad against him, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things Epic also did to try and entice people like this is a good thing. They lowered the prices of those microtransactions. I forget how much, but the price of V-Bucks, which is the Fortnite currency, you have to buy to then buy the stuff you want, like the season passes and your fancy hats and whatever. Um, that got a reduction in revenue only if you bought through them not through apple because they were avoiding the like apple tax i think they called it um and that makes sense that's like standard market stuff like for example let's just 
briefly put aside games and talk about like market stuff really quick, which I have some basic knowledge of because I'm involved in a family business. My brother is a great businessman. Anyway, for example, selling on Amazon or things like eBay, um, both those things take a cut of your sale. So if you're selling direct, you can always sell cheaper than selling through somebody else because you have to price your stuff more to account for the cut they're taking. Otherwise, you're just losing money or making, in some cases, so little money is to be like, it's a waste of your time. So same idea here. Epic is, you know, they're pricing their stuff more competitively or more attractively when directly bought from them because there's no extra tax in the transaction. That makes sense in terms of economics or something. But um, what you can't necessarily account for is like, what is that? Um, what is that Apple tax getting you, right? It's getting right, you exactly. a curated app store experience. It's getting you like verified um, apps free of, you know, malicious stuff or whatever. As far as I know, that's kind of rampant on Android because um, anyone can kind of do anything in the Google Play Store or whatever. Um, and you're getting a really nice, uh, you know, it's pretty, well, I don't know how easy it is to get featured, but, you know, they do, they present a lot of stuff. They do special features on cool games and apps. Um, there's promotions and cool pages about it and editor's choices. And yes, everything's, what do you call it, curated. It's not just an anything goes place. Um, loud motorcycle driving in the window, by the window. Um, so, you know, I mean... I'm not much of an iOS gamer or anything. There's probably people who argue either on the apps, either App Store, Mac, or iOS. They'll probably say there's lots of junk on there. But if it wasn't curated, there would be an ocean <laughs> of trash in there as well. Um, well, it, it's important to note that the trash can still be there, but it's not going to surface as much, right? Because if you you right. can still publish things on the App Store, even if it's crap, as long as you don't directly violate anything, right? Right. Uh, Epic violated something and got pulled. But if you don't do that, you can technically publish anything, but you're not going to reach the front page. You're not going to reach the top 25 lists. You're not right. going to get surfaced in search results and all these things, right? Right. Because yeah. Apple does have a team that um, if you pay for a developer account, which is $100 per year, I think it is, um, and you know, there's also these 30% cuts if you publish anything and you charge for it. Uh, you can just write to Apple's feature team and say, hey, I've got this cool thing. Will you feature it? And maybe they will uh, on the front, front page thing, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't, maybe you don't even have to write them. Maybe they'll just, when you submit your app, go, oh, this is awesome and feature it on their own. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is pretty nice. Uh, but also there are many other developer benefits uh, to this system. Um, for one thing, let's say you need to store some database information in your application, right? Mm -hmm. If you subscribe to Apple's developer program and you want to publish through Apple, you actually get to store some of your application data in Apple's iCloud service oh. um, for free, right? Oh, nice. I, I forget the exact amount. I think it's like 50 gigabytes or something you get for free and then you can pay extra for that on top of that. But oh. that's just included in your developer account. Um also, you get, um, so there's this curated thing we just talked about, but on top of that, the App Store is just a platform that has incredibly high number of users, right? Mm. If you only publish your app, let's say it's possible, it isn't right now, but let's say it was possible to have them have to go to a website, click the download button, and then 
pay through Safari, through your own little thing, and then they download the app and use it, you're going to get so much fewer people ever seeing that, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you're not featured on the App Store, just existing on the App Store, where you can just click buy and you, your um, user's payment information is already in Apple's system. So they just hit buy, f- touch ID, face ID, whatever, and then it's downloaded. Yeah. Even if you subtract 30% from whatever you gain, you're going to have so much more um, visitors, so many more hits on, on your program that you know might even out anyway, or even be a benefit, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I recall, the App Store was the biggest revenue-like for the last several years running beats out anything Steam does or Epic or, you know, mm-hmm. Microsoft whatever their store is, Microsoft Gold or something, I forget what it is, PlayStation, it beats all of them. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of dwarfs the competition. Um, so you can't uh, undersell that expo- potential exposure in any case. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, yeah. if I were to publish something on, you know, Mac, PC, Linux, whatever, uh, I'd also rather publish it on Steam with a 30% cut to Valve than on Epic with a much smaller cut to um, to Epic because more people are just going to get it from Steam, right? It, that's, yeah, and it's so much, I mean, it's it the it's the ease of use thing. Mm-hmm. Epic, for some reason, they're a big company with a lot of money and the Epic Store as like a platform has been around for, I feel like two years now or something like that, maybe even more, maybe three, I forget exactly when it started. Um, but like, there isn't even a shopping cart on the store yet. It's like, it's yeah. bonkers. If you want to buy more than, you can only buy stuff one thing at a time. Sometimes there's sale, yeah. want, you know, it has a wish list. It has, you know, categories. It has like some coupons or sales sometimes. They do have some reviews now, but they aren't user reviews. They're like open critic or I forget what it is. It's not even Metacritic. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a very bare bones platform for a, a large company pushing so hard, trying to get into the space and compete with other. Well, really, they're just trying to compete with Steam. Origin's mm-hmm. kind of like a non-factor. It's that EA thing where people will use it because they have to, but really they'd rather not if they can avoid it. No one likes Origin, like nobody. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I like. I, I think competition's healthy. Um, yes, and it can and it can pr- uh, push forward like more. Basically, um, at the end of the day, it should benefit gamers like us as cu- you know customers, gamers who mm-hmm. want. Either um, just better gaming experiences or better platform experiences, um, better prices, whatever it may be, um, that's good. But the problem is Steam, well, they started decades ago or whenever. Uh, Of course, Mac was 2010, but the PC version of Steam had been along way sooner. Um, Same thing. Steam is offering... With the um, Half-Life 1, I think. Yeah, yeah. My buddy remembers that... uh, he complained because he was like a big like Half-Life and Counter-Strike player at the time. And when, but then they moved it all to Steam only and like they lost all their mod support until like later on mod support looped back around. He was very bitter about that, which is yeah. funny. Um, but same thing, Steam has so many features, right? It's easy to find stuff. The store's features are really good in terms of like the cart or related items. User reviews are huge on Steam. Like reading them is really helpful to like, well, can be, not always. There's plenty of troll reviews or just, like, comedy reviews in there, too. But as a whole, like, the ecosystem of Steam just dwarfs anything Epic can offer. So even though you're paying more, there's more users on Steam. 
there's all kinds of game adjacent stuff going on with the Steam market and trading cards and they have mini games and all kinds of stuff going on, you know, chat rooms, groups, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And all of this, I mean, I just want to point out that what we're saying here is not necessarily that we don't want there to be options. We're just saying that the 30% cut and all that, it's not just saying, hey, 30% is more than 15 or whatever it was Epic mm. took. There is more to the number than just saying, oh, 30% is outrageous because maybe right. there are actually benefits here, right? And right. another thing I want to point out about the, what Apple's developer program gives you is that with without paying extra, just included in your developer program with Apple, twice per year, uh, you can get an Apple engineer to look at your code and help you out with code level issues in your uh, Apple platform code. And that's that just pretty you know, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Because if you were to say hire someone separately to do that, it would probably cost a lot, a lot more yep. than that, a hundred a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be a hundred an hour or something. I don't know, you know, a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, exactly what you said. It, we do want options. It just so happens within their respective spaces, like Steam and the App Store, basically are still the best options. Of course, mm-hmm. Epic wants, you know, much like they're trying to compete in the really the well the, the computer space, they would also like to be able to compete in mm, the mobile space or specifically the iOS space. Um, because, well, at the end of the day, they just they want more money. Can I blame them? They're a business, and they have shareholders and investors and all that, probably. So I don't begrudge that to them. Uh, I just think their approach was heavy-handed. So to loop back around to the lawsuit, um, I did some reading, uh, well, courtesy of PC Gamer, funny enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, the irony. Um, but they they had several detailed articles about this whenever it happened. So I'm actually, hey, thanks, thanks, PCG. Um and apparently the reasons, the main reasons why the judges ruled against Epic on those two points, um, the separate like platform, like allowing other developers to have their own app store or direct in-app sources of revenue, uh, mainly was apparently uh, Epic's experts and their legal team and whoever was involved in the court case was apparently, um, the just totally blew it and they totally bungled it. And the judge was like really harsh on them and used all these words like, you know, I, I did read it in some detail, but it was earlier this week. And they basically said, like, nothing they said or constructed was believable as an argument. Um, they, like, invalidated themselves and contradicted themselves in their arguments as well in their in their paper presentations, all this, all the court stuff, all the layers of court stuff that goes on. I don't know every detail. Um, but they basically shot themselves in the foot and had, like, poorly presented arguments, bad facts, incorrect data, all this stuff. And they said they're, mm-hmm. it was like, outrageously bad apparently and the judge really um like scorched them for it and so that's why apple won the case overall epic at this point the conclusion is uh epic's already appealed it which i find i don't know the u.s court system anyway is really weird to me um like in some cases i can see it being useful maybe i don't know an innocent person's convicted or whatever or something appeal their case blah 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 that i can see it being great but it's like you messed up this issue there's been an official ruling and then a week later they just come back and be like we object to your decision we want to file an appeal to have the court case again 
I find that deeply strange, personally. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm no lawyer here, but I feel like what they're saying is essentially just, can we get a second opinion on this? And if the first opinion made by the first judge is correct, then the second judge is just going to go, yep, right. that was correct. Yeah. So I don't necessarily see that as a problem. That's true. Yeah. I was I was imagining like a whole new case happening again, but right, I believe it's more of like a second look at the ruling yeah. and how valid it was and everything. You're right. I, I mean, if, if that yeah. second judge goes, hmm, there's more to this, then they might have a, a full second go at it. But I think it right. is more just a, a second look initially. You're right. Um, and they didn't find Apple monopolistic and some other things Epic like tried to accuse them of and this and that. Um, just they were in violation of that. Not antitrust, some anti-competitive thing in California. That's why they have to allow the third-party links in their apps now within a couple months. So that's a small step for epic but overall big shutdown um they like rolled what's the saying like double or nothing they like went big on two big things and basically lost it both now they have you know egg on their face or whatever they look pretty silly um uh and since epic has asked for their now that the court case was over epic asked for their app store ios app store account to be reinstated and some guy from apple i don't know some guy named greg or something i saw the letter again on pcgr uh, joshwick oh, greg joshwick i think that's maybe maybe i just recall greg being involved <laughs> i'm terrible <laughs> with the names um sure. and just basically said sorry you know as a result of your breach of contract last year and your court case and all like your unpleasantness blah 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 um your account's been terminated and uh Please don't bother asking us again to reinstate it. Bye. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, awkward. Yeah. But w while this is sort of somewhat unfortunate for people who really want uh, to play Epic's games and all, um, I do th kind of think it's fair enough because Epic did act completely in bad faith here. Mm. Um when when they did the initial um, push of the update to Fortnite that was in breach of um, mm. terms of agreement with Apple, uh, like the, the literal legal contract they had signed to become uh, a developer uh, in, within the App Store. Mm. Um, I mean, that's kind of like breaking the speed limit and then afterwards going, I think the speed limit should change. <laughs> you know, ask for the speed limit to be changed before you break right. the law, right? Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. Right. I should. Right. I should add. I recall now the judge ruling, in addition to all like the bet poor arguments and stuff, they mentioned this exact point, saying Epic clearly acted in bad faith first. They intentionally broke their contract. This reflects very poorly on their, you know, their motives and so on and so forth. Like they were trying to play the victim when they're the ones broke the rules first you know no one, mm -hmm. no one asked them no one forced them to so that was a bad move um i think my impression was i've i don't know anyone at epic i'm a fan of the unreal engine as an engine i like games that use it um i've liked stuff uh, you know i have uh, some games on epic um but it's mostly the games thing. So I don't know know anyone. I don't know Tim Sweeney. Just my impression was from following this is they were hoping to drum up, like, put Apple in the court of public opinion rather than, like, mm -hmm. the court court and be like, Apple's so evil and 30% and, you know, try and, you know, garner a lot of, like, social media support and rah, rah, rah or some pitchforks or whatever. And that never materialized in any substantial fashion. It was minor at the most. So my feeling was they just really, like, 
shot from the hip. And we're like, this is totally going to work out because everyone's going to love us and see how evil Apple is, or maybe not evil, but unfair or monopolistic or something. And, you know, maybe not God will be on our side, but surely a judge because they were so confident. <laughs> they broke the contract. They prepared all these, you know, in-game campaigns and ads and all this social media and Twitter stuff and then launched the court case and then wah, wah, sad trombone. So it was like clearly against their expectations. Yeah. It felt a bit like um, they were, they were, had gotten a bit arrogant and thought we can't possibly lose at anything. Yeah. That's what it felt like reading all the PR or quote or statements out of Epic or Tim Sweeney more specifically uh, mm-hmm. regarding this. So that was, that was kind of silly where it goes. And my only real, like, yeah, overall I'm not fussed about Fortnite. Um, although if you're a big Fortnite fan and you happen to play on iOS, well, sorry, that is, that is sadness. Um, as an aside, even if you can't play Fortnite on your Mac, you can play it through GeForce now. So that's like a, a loophole. <laughs> um, and you could easily play a match within that like free hour session. So you could even play without paying for it. Just just go use GeForce now and then play it that way. Um, I know some, that works. So some, some a little extra tidbit here I find super fascinating is I don't know if it was the first time Fortnite was revealed, but Fortnite was shown off at an Apple event before it mm. came out. I don't remember if it was like WWDC or a special event or something, but Fortnite was one of the first major titles to support Metal. Right. Um, so when Apple announced yeah. Metal, they had a big Fortnite reveal trailer and uh, everything I showing re- off Fortnite yeah. running on the Mac. And it I was mostly focused yeah. on the single player aspect back then. Uh, they didn't have right. the whole battle save, royale. Save the world, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I remember that because I got into a super early beta. And Same. it didn't, yeah, I don't even know if it had metal when it first launched, well, a few days or a week later it did. And oh, yeah, sure. the optimization was really good with metal. It went from being like jittery and weird to like really nice and smooth. Um, yeah. and I thought that was cool at the time. Um, again, yeah, I didn't absolutely. love the game that much, but it was, you know, I was just interested in testing things out. Um, yeah, I remember that. So that it is funny. just kind of a fun little thing there that it all started out at an Apple event and uh, they had a good relationship talking each other up and Epic, yeah. I think Epic was even on stage talking about how great metal was and Apple was showing off right. Fortnite and, and now all of yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you can you can understand the reason why they would, why they would work together. Epic, yeah, you know, yeah, tons absolutely. of iOS games are made in Unreal Engine as well, uh, in, for mm-hmm. example. Maybe not tons, but at least some are, some like really some of the fancier ones. Um, Epic's a big name in gaming. Apple's a big name in iOS, at least. Obviously, Mac gaming's its own subset. So why wouldn't they partner together and basically make each other more money? Like, that's just good (laughs) business, right? And everyone benefits on on the gamer end, you know, nothing to complain about. So them fighting is basically bad for business. Um, Apple won't sweat it because they don't need Epic. Epic needs Apple way more. Apple doesn't need Epic at all. They've got a zillion other developers. Um, Epic is also big enough they're not going to sink or something over this. Fortnite is one of their, you know, I don't know what revenue loss they made over iOS no longer being available. Certainly some revenue loss, but Fortnite is played on plenty of other devices and, um, you know, all their, the fact that they make Unreal Engine so widely used in the industry and all the licensing there, they make tons of money from that and blah, blah, blah. So Epic's going to be fine. No one's going under... Um, my only concern, and this is totally unknown, is um, Unreal Engine 5 is coming soon, 
you know, it's been previewed and demoed around for a while um, this year, maybe or late last year, I think it was first shown up. Could have even been early this year, I forget. So UE5 is supposed to have Mac support, but with Apple and Epic fighting and all this like spite going on, my concern is like Apple, Epic will be like, well, screw you and pull like the Mac support or, or something from Unreal Engine 5. I still think it's going to have Mac support for one major reason. Epic is not selling the Unreal Engine as like a product to the end user or anything. Epic is selling Unreal Engine to other developers. Right. And if they want their engine to be attractive to developers, more supported platforms is a benefit, right? Yeah. If they were selling directly to consumers, they might go, eh, it's okay. It's a small user base. But if they annoy their partners in the development space, eh, that might cost them a bit more. I, I mean, it's not like I'm saying that I think a huge portion of their developer partners would be fussed about not having Mac support. Unfortunately, that's probably not the case. But it's a different (coughs) target market that they probably don't want to have to create fuss within. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to loop back to um, talking about App Store value just for one moment even though we passed that. Um, we were talking about that, like the 30% cut and kind of what it gives you. Um, and it's worth reiterating um, that now with Silicon machines, you can also play quite a few apps from iOS on your Mac. So you kind of have a dual dual platform, essentially, um, if you enable it and set up the code to work with mouse and keyboard or whatever. Um, so that's kind of cool too. You can get like a two-in-one with presumably not like too much extra effort. Um that's just kind of we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but in the context of the discussion, I felt like it was relevant. So that's just kind of an extra bonus um, included mm-hmm. in all the other things we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we'll we'll see where it goes for now. You know, um, there's some tiffs, but the games will carry on one way or the other, <laughs> um, and uh, we'll we'll see the future of Apple and Epic's relationship. Maybe it'll be repaired. Um, maybe it won't. Who knows? But iOS will go on and the App Store will go on and Steam will go on and Epic Games will go on and Unreal Engine will go on and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's more just interesting rather than like Earth Shatter. It's only Earth Shattering if you're a Fortnite fan on iOS or maybe Mac. There's ways around it on Mac pretty easily, either bootcamp or streaming. Um, iOS, I guess you're just out of luck. Maybe. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Uh, sorry. You probably so. are. Yeah, probably are. So that's that's only that's the only real downside. You know, I don't care about the game, but if I did care about the game, I would be disappointed. I would be upset. Um, if that was my primary platform to play the game on, and it was no longer accessible, that would be a bummer. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But actually, you said um, it's available on GeForce now. It is. Yeah. Well, then people on iOS could use GeForce now. Right. To still play. I was just thinking of that. Weren't you just doing some uh, testing? Yes, I, I just tested the how well GeForce Now works on my iPad. I have a 12.9-inch iPad, so large screen for games, potentially. Um, and, I mean, I, it's probably not going to be as good uh, of an experience with Fortnite if you are using touch input already. Um, right. But um, mouse and keyboard tr- uh, with the potentially, like, magic... What's it called? Magic keyboard or yeah. any other way of doing it you want. 
uh, as well as controller support seems to work pretty well. And, you know, it's got the seemingly pretty good support. It, it was a bit, um, I, I kind of struggled finding the, uh, the page to, uh, you know, go to the Safari browser version right. of the, the platform. Yeah. But once I got there, it, it seemed pretty good. Nice. Um, one little note is that aspect ratio, it's, it's game dependent. So the game might not support the aspect ratio of the iPad because it's, uh-huh. well, it's not a standard PC aspect ratio. Yeah, right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. It could be a little sketchy, but that's a great point. Um, yeah. Again, I think GeForce Now is awesome, especially seeing as it's free forever, as long as you just do one hour sessions and you can log out and wait a few minutes and just log in another one. And for a game like Fortnite, uh, I think even if you play a full game and win or whatever, I'm pretty sure it's like under an hour or like 45 minutes. You should be able to like just bang out games without ever having to play. Um, other games might be much longer and that'll interrupt your gameplay. I'm pretty sure Fortnite, like not to mention you could just drop in and die right away and have to start over again anyway or whatever. So <laughs> that's what happens to me when I tried it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. Um, speaking about some uh, games in general, actually, I listed three games to mention. But we're going to ignore the first two um, and just talk about Gloomhaven um, mm. because I'm a Gloomhaven fanatic, not because of the digital version, because of the board game board game version. Um, for those yeah, of you, I have only heard of the board game version of Gloomhaven before. I didn't even know that they were doing a computer game version. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I got into what they call designer board games, uh, like middle of last year. We've mentioned it a few times on the podcast here and there by way of them now turning some popular video games into board games. Um, and they're even doing more of that. There was a Far Cry board game announced, I think, though, mm. for next year. And also a Kingdom Come Deliverance. So neither of these are Mac games, but they're like notable PC games. Um, but there are several Mac games being made into board games already. Um, Frostpunk, Darkest Dungeon, Slay the Spire. Might even be a few others. Um, they're making Rainbow Six One, which in some previews is apparently like phenomenal board game. Um so I don't mean tabletop like Warhammer minis or um, or World War II minis or like straight D&D with like sheets and pens and paper. Uh, designer board games are more like, I don't know, it's hard to describe them, but it's kind of like more of a, you know, they have all sorts of ones, whether it's uh, simple abstracts or puzzles. They have plenty of like adventure deck builders themed around things like um arkham horror lord of the rings marvel you know marvel superheroes and you team up and fight baddies with cards and they have like and then they have much more complex games um strategy ones either like space simulators uh, economic euro games are super popular mostly out of germany um they started a lot of the board game craze apparently which i only learned recently um that was interesting to me Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones I like the most are basically ones with like action adventure, or, like combat puzzles, essentially. So Gloomhaven at its core is like a giant combat puzzle. Um, um, but it's this giant 25 pound box. Um, if you buy the, the board game version, uh, came out a couple years ago, started out small, turned into an, into an enormous hit, um, by a lot of rankings. It's like the number one board game in the space. It hits like number one. I don't know, what is it, theme and uh, customization and value and all this stuff. Because you can get it for, like, as cheap, quote-unquote, for, like, $100-odd, $120. Which, in video game terms as well, that's, like, depending on how many, what price value you buy a game at. It's, like, two $60 games, three $40 games, or five or six cheaper ones. 
Um, but you can get like hundreds of hours out of this box if you buy it. Um, so, but it's fairly complex. There's, you know, a fat rule book. There's like a hundred odd missions. There's something like 18 different character classes to play. You know, it's like an action adventure RPG, basically, basically. Um, but it's turn based. So this actually translates very well to like a digital space. Um, it's been around for ages on, um, tabletop simulator, the one on Steam, which, you know, lets you simulate all kinds of board games. People have made mods for it. I don't like that program personally. I recognize it's very good, but to me, it's this awkward thing where you get none of the benefits of the board game, which are like, well, being off a screen, um, you know, picking up and handling pieces like the tactile feel of it and everything. Um, but then you're using a computer and a mouse and keyboard and everything, but then you're still doing everything manually, more or less. So you don't get any of the benefits of like a video game, like cool graphics or scripting or whatever. Um, there is some minor scripting, I think, going on in the mod, but... Yeah, I was going to say that because if if you work with the right mods and the right tools, I think it's a pretty neat program that can do a lot for you, actually. It um, is cool. Again, I'm just... Yeah. I, I've also only used it for um, Dungeons & Dragons, and that's... You don't necessarily need to do a lot of, like, manual stuff because a lot of that right. can be done with just, like, your sheet and just... Sure. Yeah. The power of imagination. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think it's very good for things like that. Um, though a lot of people have said Gloomhaven would have been better as a video game because it can be like, it's basically for like more like hardcore gamers. It's not a casual thing. Um, you have to learn a lot of rules. There's, you know, uh, like pretty complex monster AI and rules to make them like challenging. Um, there's a lot of difficulty scaling. There's, you know, status effects. Every character plays completely unique to one another. There's like z- almost zero similarity. Um, you know, and there's side quests and there's things like reputation and prosperity and city building and events. And there's just all these layers to the game outside of like the straight combat and the missions, for example, where it's like, here's a group of dudes on this hex and we get so much movement and they move and we kill each other and we progress and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people have said, oh, it'd be better as a video game. Um, and they've made one. It's been in early access for almost two years, a year and a half or something. And just this week, they announced uh, the full release date, which is October 20th. And the reason we're bother- I'm bothering talking about this is because um, they also added Mac support to it now. It doesn't mm, show great. as Mac on the store page, at least when I looked yesterday. I should check that right now. I wonder if they updated it. They did say they're going to add Mac support on like the full release in October 20th. So I'm like, oh, cool. It's, you know, um, yeah, it's still showing Windows only. But then I went, I'm like, hmm, I went to my library and Gloomhaven showed up. I'm like, yeah. So I clicked on it or, or sh- of course it shows up, shows up anyway. But when I clicked on it, <laughs> the install button showed up and I'm like, huh? I've seen this before where when they announce a Mac version, it'll let you install it. But it's just like the framework, the Mac executable is still missing. So you can install the game and then when you go to launch it, nothing happens. Mm. I thought that would happen. But for the heck of it, I downloaded it because it's only four and a half gigs or something. Um, and I hit play and it all boots up and boom, there's there's my game. I'm like, sweet. So even though it shows Windows, you can actually go in and buy it right now. Um, mm. So sort of a long winded explanation of, of Gloomhaven. Um, so like, do you need to be a fan of the board game to play like the Steam digital version? I don't think so, um, because I think they do a very good job of making it feel more like a video game, a, basically a turn based tactical combat like RPG is what it is at the moment um you can only play this like open-ended guildmaster mode 
um, where you start with a certain amount of characters and you kind of go here and there and choose your missions and whatever. Things unlock for you over time. But there's a proper full campaign from the table, the, the board game version, which is going to be released on October 20th. So then you get an official campaign and you, you know, basically there's just more layers going on there. You get the city building and the reputation, um, personal quest, retirement of characters, new characters coming in. Um, so it'll basically be like, I don't know. Obviously, it's not going to be something like XCOM or something, which is what I think of often when I think of like turn-based tactical combat games. Um, but it's well-rated on Steam in general, very positive. Um, I imagine a fair amount of those people are people who have played the t- the board game version like me, and I'm a like total fanatic about it. I've already sunk like 100 hours into the board game version. Um, but I've seen quite a few comments and reviews um, both on Steam and outside of Steam Reddit and stuff saying... Oh, you know, I've never played the table, the board game version, but this is pretty cool. I've also seen some other reviews going like, eh, this is kind of slow or kind of dull and not for me. Um, so I'm not trying to review the game, and I've talked a lot about it. Um, I just think it's really fun. Um, it's $25 right now. They're going to raise the price, though, on full release. So if you really want it, check it out. I've got 55 hours into the digital version already. I've been playing on GeForce Now <laughs> um, with my buddy who hasn't played the board game version, only played the digital version. He thinks it's pretty cool. And he's not like any overt D&D player or anything like that. Um, he tends to play like a lot of Warzone or Apex Legends or whatever. He's a PC guy. So you say that it's it's pretty welcoming to people who don't know the board game, but as someone who has played the board game, how well does it capture that feeling of the board game? Oh, or does that's it try to be something That's different? an excellent point. Um Mostly, it captures the core um, gameplay loop, which is the most important thing. The characters being unique, um, choosing their level ups because there's perk systems and adding new cards, and then choosing your deck as well. It's not a deck builder. There's just very light deck building elements. Each character has 8 to 12 cards. So if you're deck building, it's all of like 10 cards. Pretty simple. (laughs) Um, But there's also gear loadouts. You You know, there's some fairly like clearly D&D derived systems from it. You know, you can have an item on your head, one or two in your hands, depending if it's two-handed, only one. You know, you can have boots, um, you can have an armor item, and you can have little pouch items and stuff like that. But there's weight limits or, or item limits, but as you level up, you gain, like, more item slots and stuff like that. Um, uh, I think it captures the feel quite well, and the board game itself isn't... I wouldn't call it, like, visually stunning... But it's certainly not drab either. It's just pretty solid. Like, the monster artwork is nice, and uh, the minis are not bad. There's only character minis. All the monsters are little cardboard standees in the board game version. Um, But the card art's nice. The items are cool. So it's not going to, like, wow you. Like, as a board game, it doesn't wow you visually so much as it wows you with its... uh, how expansive it is. Like, it'll, it'll take up, like, a six by three or four table pretty easily honestly uh though i managed to play it on a three by four table by being a little (laughs) creative um nice because you know the maps in the board game version you're laying out map tiles and creating all the rooms and setting up the monsters and um the tokens are pretty easy to track so there's a lot of i have a very like sequence brace based brain so i find the game fairly easy to get into a lot of people have claimed it's inaccessible so as far as like feeling like the board game, the core gameplay does in the Steam digital version, 
Um, but of course, seeing as it's a digital version, it's automating all this other stuff. All the mm-hmm. monster movement you don't have to touch. Um, you know, status effects and tokens you don't have to apply and, you know, poison or stun or curse or whatever, either to you or the monsters. You know, so you don't have to, like, interrupt anything to pick, oh, I'm poisoned, oh, that guy's stunned, oh, he lost two health, and um, rah, rah, rah. Or um, every turn you pick initiative order, which is very D&D derived, as far as I understand, in yep. many cases. So it's not like, oh, I go first for the whole mission. It's not every single turn initiatives being adjusted based on the cards you choose which is pretty cool um and different cards have different initiative values so you're also supposed to um even though it's a cooperative game for one to four players or a solo game um it's like somewhat hidden information you're not supposed to come by the rules obviously you can break the rules but by the rules you're not supposed to completely reveal what you're doing like you're not supposed to go like oh i have initiative 10 and oh, I'm 20 and I'm going here and I'm killing that guy. You're only supposed to, it's meant to simulate, even though it's turn-based, being like in the heat of battle. Can you really sit there and plan everything out? No, you're supposed to just like react to your teammates. So by the rules, you're only supposed to say things like, well, I'm planning on going like kind of late this turn or something. Like you're supposed to give light hints to your teammates to kind of create that like chaos. Of course, if you're playing alone, you have to control at least two characters. Well, then you have all the info. Um, So I think it, Back to your question, answering your question, though. I got a little off track. Sorry. Um, what I find, the biggest addition in the digital one, um, well, obviously, you don't have to do any of the setup, which is nice. Uh, it makes it really easy to switch out characters and cards, and there's other things. You can enhance your your abilities and all this stuff, too. Um, but it's just the visual aspect. Um, the graphics aren't amazing, but it's very colorful and vibrant. And you get, you know, cool spell effects. Um you know, monster abilities and, of course, you know, maps with, like, what might be, like, a crystal cave or something in the board game is, like, all right, but in here it's a cool 3D thing with glowing rocks and torches and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, so the visual aspect of the game is pretty cool. To me, that's the biggest thing, like, in terms of an upgrade over the board game. Um, it's generally quicker to play, but not always, because sometimes you have to go through the motions of the digital game. Um, like, well, I don't want to use this move action. So first you have to like confirm you don't want to use it and then like cancel this other thing and click this other thing. And you're forced to go through these steps and the sequencing in the board game, you just skip all that because you go, well, if you're playing solo, you wouldn't say anything probably. But if you're playing another person, you're just going like, well, I'm doing this, this and that and I'm skipping blah, blah, blah. And boom, you just move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some ways, the board game's quicker to play. But in other ways, the digital version is quicker to play. Um, but I think it's cool. Um, if you like fantasy, like RPG, turn-based tactic stuff, I say give it a try. Uh, especially now that it has a Mac version. Um, super easy to recommend. Yeah, I'm going to add this to my wish list. I think it sounds awesome. I mean, I'm I'm a fanatic of the board game. I have put, I won't even say how much money, into like extra stuff around the board game. <laughs> Uh, you know, character dashboards, um, mats, uh, terrain, I don't know, sleeves, blah, blah, blah. I've spent all, all kinds of stuff in the game, but I think it's really fun. Um, there's also like a large Etsy community around it. I made some jokes somewhere like I'm pretty sure half of Etsy is powered by like Gloomhaven extras. Um, there's <laughs> tons of stores and shops around it because um, it's a cool game. But as far as a game goes, I mean, if you like RPGs, it's more like slow and ponderous. Like you don't level up snap, snap. 
there's only, for example, nine character levels, and you may play the same character for like 20, 30 missions or something before you change to another one. Um, but it's a thought, it's a cool world. It's not super heavy on story, but there is a story. Um, there's some interesting races, there's some light humor. Um, the writing's not great, but it's not bad. So there's a lot of like average stuff about the game, honestly. But the core like combat loop, like combat puzzle, is like incredibly satisfying if you like that kind of stuff. And that's what that's why it gets me. Like it stimulates me intellectually. I love that crunchy combat puzzle. Um, and it's also very scalable difficulty wise, like really scalable. You can make the game really easy, really hard, or just like the sweet spot for you. So it's super scalable. Um, I think that also makes it more accessible once you've learned the rules. So I'll advocate the game all day, but I think um, if you don't want to bother with board game or slash tabletop kind of stuff, um, just check out the Steam version. You could also maybe already have Tabletop Simulator, but that's really... You could just download the mod. It's just free. But that's really a very different version of the game compared to the Steam one. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's something to be said for uh, automating the tedious aspects of board games in, in video game format, right? Yeah. I think if you just took the pure Mac PC version of something like a Civilization game and made that a board game, you could do that. Everything in that game could easily be directly transferred to a board game. Right. But if you did that directly, it would be so tedious <laughs> because there are so right. many things that happen every turn and you need to keep track of so many details. It's just not fun. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, so that's why the board game version of Civilization does simplify it so much, but it becomes a better board game for it. It wouldn't be a better PC game, but it's a better board game for it. Right. Vice versa, a PC game or a Mac game or whatever, a computer game, can do so much more complexity because the player doesn't have to be the one doing all the crunchy math. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I will just wrap up because I've been yakking about this game for a while. Um, I think it also, because you asked about like how much of like a board, the board game feel comes across. Um, I think it feels like a proper video game. Mm -hmm. Um, it has decent production values and UIs and menus and the actual like gameplay camera and everything. Um, there's a lot of uh, board game because we've been talking about video games and board games. There's quite a lot of digital versions of board games on Steam. All sorts of popular ones. Spirit Island, Wingspan. Can remember a bunch of others. If you're like in the designer board game space, these are like top whatever 10, 20 games. Like everyone knows about them more or less. But the but the digital versions of them feel like board games, and they often look like board games. Gloomhaven really, I think, sets itself apart. It feels more like a turn-based tactical video game that so happens to be based on a board game. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they've done a pretty good job of that, and that's what makes it, I think, more compelling. You also see that reflected in the price. Most of these other games I mentioned are like 10 to $15. Gloomhaven's $25, soon to be $35. So it's more of like a game game price because um, of what it's, you know. It's, it's production values and what it's offering. Um, but I've yacked NFL Gloomhaven. Um, if any of that sounds interesting, go check it out or wishlist it. Maybe you want to wait for a sale if you're not confident or whatever. Um, I think it's worth it at $25, but I already know I love the game. So it was easy for me to, to buy into <laughs> it. Um, you know, no problem. But yeah, not sure. Just just peek at it, basically. Or go watch the trailer or whatever. This had a new launch trailer. Um, could be interesting. Um, but yeah, that's about it. 
um, for this episode 11. Oh, I was going to talk about Metro Exodus, but I think we've gone on too long. I think we're poaching like an hour and a half or something oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> we're um, so good at just yapping on forever. <laughs> we are. Five, 15, I think we're at like an hour 15 minutes. So okay, sure. maybe I'll save that for another episode. Yeah, basically, if I binge played and finished Metro Exodus, had more comments, but it'll, I'll add like ten more minutes to the show if I go on about that. So I shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> this it can wait. It can wait basically till next week. Um, yeah. So thanks for being on Casper. That was awesome. Otherwise, I would have had to do this solo, which would have been uh, much inferior because having you <laughs> here is much better. Yeah, um, it's always fun to be. Yeah, thanks for staying up late, and thanks for showing up, and thanks to everyone for listening to our episode 11 dramatic epic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll see you next week for episode 12. Thanks, everyone, and catch you next time. Bye-bye, Internet. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.